You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. (laughs) I said that with a straight face. This is... Distilling Theology. Welcome to another episode of Distilling Theology, episode 37. My name is Eric. I'm here with Justin and Balake. Oh. And uh, here we take theology and we distill it into finer and refined and more purified theology. Yeah, boy. How was that, guys? That was so good. We're rolling with it. It's going to happen. so good. I love it. Committed. This is the way. So obviously, guys, uh, Eric is back with us. Uh, We we did talk since the Theonomy episode and... Uh, he is officially going to be part of our crew as a, a semi-frequent co-host, probably like once a month or so as time allows. Um, but we just want him back so often that, you know, it would be weird to just keep having him on as a guest. And uh, we're just really glad to have him here. So thanks for thanks for spending some time with us tonight, buddy. Yeah, man. We went we went back and forth with contracts and negotiated. And I yeah, think we yeah. came to terms that we could all be happy with. And, um, yeah. you know, you guys are very gracious. Um, yeah, thanks. You're welcome. You know, our people will talk to your people and, you know, we'll, we'll make it happen. Uh, but how are you guys doing tonight? It's, like, it's a Wednesday. I just want to know what you call somebody with no body and no, no, no nose. No, nobody knows. <laughs> oh, there it is. Uh, listen, we promise these people dad jokes. We need to deliver more on the dad jokes, Blake. See, the thing is, so, so this actually is an interesting discussion, which is, um, there's a, there's a longer form of this on our Patreon when we had the DT admins on and we talked about the ontology of dad jokes, but <laughs> in a lesser form of that. So Such a good episode, dude. It was so great. So people will ask me about dad jokes and they're like, what's your favorite dad joke? Like, I, I hear you talk about it on the podcast. I'm like, no, like, so my grandfather had these like canned corny jokes and he would just say the same joke every time. And I'm like, and just laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like that kind of, and I'm like, no, those aren't my dad jokes. Like I just say the dumbest pun that's like the the easiest closest in reach that everybody's like oh it's so obvious and it's terrible I, thanks i hate it and that's that's how i do dad jokes <laughs> this is how um, we do dad jokes my friend well the, the, there's a good example of this the other day my boss and i were, were looking over something and um he's like oh this isn't you know this doesn't have anything to do with absolute vodka and i'm like you're right it absolutely doesn't and he just slowly turned around in the chair and i'm like i so anyways, but how are you guys doing this week? Well, I'm, I'm happy you're still employed That's <laughs> after, after that. For now. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Blake, I'm doing well. I, I'm doing well. It's been an interesting week. That's for uh, sure. For sure. Um, I've had some unique experiences, but also some great conversations, um, mm. particularly with my good buddy, Travis, oh. who I promised a shout out because he's the man. And uh, so here you are, Travis. You're welcome. Uh, uh, but we've had some great conversations. I've had a couple of good uh, Baptisty group chat conversations with this guy over here and another, and another one, and another one. And um, overall, it's just been kind of a normal work week for me. How about yeah. you guys? You know, life's been 
kind of crazy and wild. I'm sure I'll elaborate on that at some point. But, uh, you know, God's good. And every day I keep seeing provision in new ways. And I'm grateful for that. So, you know, mm. as you know, I, I could go and be like, ah, whatever. But his his grace is sufficient and his mercies are new every morning. And it's it's wonderful to be able to see that in a new in a new light, I guess. So, mm. yeah. Every That's day you're at. shuffling. Yeah. Hmm. What about you, Eric? Oh, it's been a stressful week. I came in here pretty stressed, came in here late to record. You guys know that. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not feeling it, but, you know, you guys make me feel like the bell of the ball. So uh, <laughs> you guys cheered me right up with all your corny dad jokes. And now it's I'm probably, uh, looking it's probably forward the to the dress that you always come in wearing. <laughs> that could be it. I mean, you got to be a patron, though, to be able to see it. Oh, oh yeah. plug it in. <laughs> That's the real reason we brought Eric in. <laughs> free advertising, man. He's great at this. It's a billboard. Uh, which, you know what else gets free advertising on Distilling Theology? The Society of Reformed Podcasts. This is a network of doctrinally sound podcasts from a Reformed perspective, including Assurance of Pardon, The Bobcast, Christ in Context, Distilling Theology, Fast God Stuff, Reformed Brotherhood, Reformed Pilgrims, and the Steady Anchor Podcasts. You can get all these shows at reformedpodcasts.com where you can subscribe to the mega feed and have an endless flow of high quality, uh, entertaining, informative, and I think pretty diverse uh, theological content in your podcast feed. So be sure to check that out. And uh, I really enjoy listening to the other shows. I cannot keep up with them all, but I try my best to do so. So mm, there indeed. it is. Don't oh, forget wait, the I told ass, reform I, podcasts. You know what else I realized? I complete. I am so sorry, Austin. I completely forgot Sivan on theology. So extra oh, shout out to Austin Rifle of Sivan on theology because I was literally line reading my Blake. notes, and that's a good He's reminder. Been a guest. It's a good <laughs> reminder to not li- just line read things uh, like the scripture. You want to make sure that you get the whole context because if you just line read like that, you're going to miss something really important and completely forget that you missed it. <laughs> He just, you just pulled that move where the guy trips and turns it into a somersault to make it look like he did it on purpose. Jesus juke taught y'all a Jesus lesson. Juke. Funny oh. thing is that was always in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Eric can see our notes now. This is, uh, this is problematic. Getting called oh, out. Shoot. It's not in the notes, guys. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, hey, guys, is while you're at it, uh, <laughs> um, don't forget, you can pick up awesome mugs now at shopdistillingtheology.com. Uh, or if you just go to distillingtheology.com and click the shop button, uh, you can get some really cool quote mugs uh, with quotes from good old Herman Bovink from the wonderful works of God on them. There is a trilogy of mugs that you can still get a discount with. Uh, and if you're on Patreon, you can actually see one right now as Blake is holding it up. You can also just go to shop distilling theology.com yeah, and, and see one too <laughs> you know or follow us on instagram but that's we're, we're jumping ahead of the notes there i, I had an over-realized eschatology all right so what are we drinking tonight Eric? <laughs> uh, we are drinking distillery 291's bad guy colorado bourbon whiskey oh uh and i may or may not have uh intimate knowledge of this whiskey um yeah so Ooh. It International is, uh, Man of Mystery. I like this. <laughs> yeah, this is a small batch whiskey that's released <laughs> annually by the distillery uh, once a year, usually in October. This is batch five. This is last year's release. It is 123.3 proof, 61.65% ABV, and it is, as I said, limited edition, and there were 
1,257 bottles of this release. <clears throat> so the thing that about this bourbon that is unique from other bourbons that this distillery releases is that it is a four grain bourbon. Your average bourbon is going to be three grains. Usually it's uh, well, obviously it's going to be primarily corn. Um, and then you're going to have, <clears throat> excuse me, rye and barley. Uh, sometimes you have what are called weeded bourbons where there's wheat instead of rye. Uh, and then you have four grain bourbons that have usually all four of those grains. Some craft distilleries will, um, you know, experiment with oats and millet and other kinds of uh, non-conventional grains. But this particular bourbon has corn, wheat, barley, and rye. So, um, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Cause I've definitely, so I've had, um, like the high rye content bourbons. I've had the, the super corn forward bourbons and I've had mm -hmm. the weeded bourbons before. And I've had ones that are a little more, I haven't had that many that are more malty, but I've had, you know, some of those blends. I don't think I've had a four, a four grain bourbon before. So this is really mm -hmm. exciting. Thanks well, for it's, uh, it's, giving us yeah. a little info there. It smells great. That's for sure. Yeah. It, it so I, I don't know. I got to think about this. What am I getting here? <laughs> love the eyes get to close the eyes and so, really get in there so it's it's not a, a common bourbon i would say and it's yeah. not even necessarily common for a four grain bourbon although i guess four mm -hmm. grain bourbons in themselves aren't common but right. it's it's richer and earthier i'd say than your average um bourbon it's got a little more of that fresh leather loamy mm -hmm. soil um some allspice tobacco and and to me um you know maybe it's that it's released every fall um but I don't know, with this particular batch, I get some like dried fall leaves, you mm -hmm. know, the ones when they're yeah. drying and you kind of walk through them and they crunch and they have that, you know, what, you know what I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a hint of decay that I'm smelling Ooh. in this whiskey. <laughs> That's, no, not really, uh, but there's a, uh, there's an earthy quality to this yeah, whiskey I was gonna for say, sure, it in addition smells, to the sweet notes. Uh, there's, there's kind of a hint of like when you get some fresh moss and you peel it, mm -hmm. peel it like off a rock or something like that, that real sort of uh, aromatic earthy smell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It still has some nice sweetness in there though. Like, Oh yeah. Um, like caramel candies. Um, I still mm -hmm. get a little bit of like very, very ripe red apples. Um, mm -hmm. like again, Almost like to the a fall cider, thing. like a cider. Well, well, like, no, like, like you're, we've talked about apple picking on this podcast before. So we're just yeah. going to have to do a video where we go apple p picking in flannels. This is happening. <laughs> but anyways, um, <laughs> it's like apple picking in the fall and to, and so you're stepping on those crunchy fall leaves and you've got that in the air and you've got these like, apples everywhere and uh for some reason you have some caramel and, too so and you're yeah. picking the apples and yeah apple picking i'm definitely not eating the yeah. apples off who the tree who picking? would do that yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah. yeah this is this is a really I, unique smell i'm i get uh, a little bit of like um there's a little like bit of toffee in my in my or a little yeah. bit coffee-esque kind of coffee-esque i get a little like conquered grape jelly um mm, okay some, yeah. cus some custard and a hint of graham cracker as well. Yeah, as, I see. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I can see that. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a, like parallel to what I was kind of getting with that caramelly scent or if they're kind of side by side, but that's definitely, I see what you're saying now. I mean, we're either, you know, smelling the same note and describing it in different ways, which is possible, or, you know, both of those are in there because I see what you're saying when you're, you know, describing the caramel for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of zest. It's it's definitely got a little bit of uh, just a, just a hint of zest. It gives me that sort of similar kind of nose feel you get when you have like a more lemony. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, totally. Whiskey. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a, a really interesting. It. It's so interesting to have both that earthiness and then a little bit of that brightness <clears throat> and that sweetness, like it's kind of all over it. the place. 
it's yeah, cool, but yeah, in a, in a delightful way. Yeah. Like in the a, most delightful yeah. way. <laughs> not in, not in a sense of like, is this the, the, you know, the, the best possible of worlds? Like we're not talking about Molinism here. This is like Calvinism. Like this is the best possible world and there are no others. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you got to remember, I mean, this is 123 proof, so Ooh, yeah. it's got quite a bit of ABV on the nose too, which could be sure. adding a lot to that brightness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely adds a, a bit of a spice to it. Well, uh, I mean, I, if you have other notes, by all means, but I, no, I'd no. love to get in and, and taste, taste this it. thing. All right. Cheers, gentlemen. <laughs> Ooh. That is, that's a that wild is a ride. Powerful experience. <laughs> like listening mm. to a Paul Washer sermon in your mouth. I don't, I don't know, know why, why you're, you're salivating. Ta- I'm talking about you. <laughs> oh. Got another one. Um, really? Yeah, I'm, so, just, I'm just trying to get Justin to spit whiskey through his nose. That's my that goal. Would, that would be painful. Whiskey. That'd be very I'm painful gonna, with barrel proof whiskey. I've done that it. Would, that would, my eyes would fall out. So Eric, maybe you can actually, from, from a Ooh. distillery standpoint, like, this is something just whenever I taste any barrel proof whiskey, they always seem to have this really rich viscosity to them and yeah. this much more like um, full mouthfeel. So mm-hmm. what is it about barrel proof whiskeys that make, I mean, like now as I'm asking, I think I understand it, but I want you to yeah, yeah. tell me to yeah, confirm so, it. Well, first of all, I will say this actually has a very viscous and oily mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'd say it's actually... There's a lot of spice to it, but the alcohol heat, it's, it's kind of soft for such a high proof. Um, but I think we discussed it a couple episodes ago, a little bit when we were drinking the, how did Andrew tell us to pronounce it? Justin, if we just make enough noises at some point, we'll eventually say it the right way. Anyway, um, a couple episodes ago, I think we discussed this with that one, but there's a couple things. One is that you have natural oils from the spirit itself, plus the oils you're gaining from the barrel mm-hmm. and you're not watering those down by adding water. I mean, that's how you proof whiskey down is you're cutting it with water. Sure. And, um, so th- there's just going to be more oils present in every pour of whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, rather than being diluted. And those oils not only contribute to more, uh, more flavorful experience, but a more viscous experience in the mouth. Yeah. The other, uh, aspect of it is, there are these things called esters uh, that are produced by yeast during fermentation um, that are <laughs> no yeast, yeast. <laughs> and uh, that are isolated during the distillation process. Then you also have new esters that form uh, during the oxidation process, also called esterification in the barrel itself. And you have what are called uh, short chain esters and they're kind of floating around in the barrel oxygen uh, helps bond them together with other esters they they meet up uh link together they'll make medium chain esters make long chain esters and those also will uh not only give you difference in flavor but also give you a a softer more gentle mouthfeel um and so when you're cutting whiskey if you're not careful and even still if you're being careful the water can actually break the bonds between those esters and what took time to you know um oftentimes many years to join together in the barrel that water tears asunder right 
<laughs> yeah. And the water tears asunder. Yeah. So this is um, the water of bitterness or the water of, mm-hmm. of sins. Is that what's <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And so, basically what we're saying is barrel proof whiskey is better. <laughs> it is. It's better. Um, it's not for everybody, but if, sure. if you better do like, if you can handle it. <laughs> yeah. And if you like whiskey and yeah. I would, but you're not yet into barrel proof whiskeys or, mm. or cask strength means the same thing. Just different phraseology. Um, I would encourage anybody listening to start experimenting with barrel proof. Try, try and get a couple bottles and um, start exploring it. Once you get used to that higher proof, you tend to look past it and it tends to be just a more bold, flavorful, uh, enjoyable experience. And it should last longer because you should be drinking less of it. You heathens. (laughs) (laughs) If you say Uh, so. (laughs) (laughs) It's so strong. No, no, this is, this is, so I, I asked that cause that was like the first thing that struck me. Like, obviously there were flavors going on too, but I got like, just the, the mouthfeel was so interesting and mm-hmm. satisfying. Frankly, it was just like, man, that is awesome. Like, so now I'm going to actually try and get some, get some tasting notes. Cause I was just so, mm. so awestruck by that. <laughs> but I, I do like barrel proof whiskeys, right? Like there's a couple from the Buffalo trace distillery that, that come out and even from Jack Daniels that there's just something about barrel proof that grabs you. And it's what you're saying. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the extra oils and viscosity, the extra esters. And it, it's just more flavorful. Like there's just mm-hmm. more there. Yeah. There's less water. So yeah, it's good. It's like, it's like brewing tea at full strength instead of cutting it in half with water. <laughs> yeah. And if, and if wine makes the heart glad and then whiskey, you know, makes the heart more glad then barrel proof whiskey makes the heart most glad is what I would, I think that's how that's, I would extrapolate that... from that passage. Right. Okay, that's, Athanasius. That's what... <laughs> the joyful heart. <laughs> wow, if we ever, if I we ever it. do a whiskey, we should call it joyful, <laughs> joyful heart whiskey. <laughs> No, we definitely, <laughs> definitely should not do that. Tony, don't kick us out of the Society of Reformed oh. Podcasters. Hey, uh, how long has this particular uh, whiskey been aged? Uh, I think this particular batch was aged for 525 days. Okay, so it's a young so, whiskey. Yeah. Very nice. It's, it's young and it's aged in smaller barrels, though. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, it's very, very yeah. tasty for, for such a young... And from my... Uh, from what I think I know from, you know, maybe a friend of a friend, some intimate knowledge I may or may not have with this whiskey. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the youngest whiskey in this particular batch was aged 525 days, but because many barrels are used to make a batch, uh, there were, I believe some that were older than that as well. Over two years, even there's Aspen in this one too, isn't there? I can tell this one is also Aspen stave finished. It's got, I, I, I really do like that. Like there's a distinct flavor that comes with that that I've yeah. noticed in all, in all the ones that we've had so far. And it's very, uh, like, it's very inviting. It's a very, like, a, a, a pleasant sort of, I don't know, inviting taste. I like, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Nice. Like I'm, I'm getting, um, like almost molasses or maple syrup on the sweeter mm-hmm. side. Yeah. And then like pine or, um, something kind of bright like that, like, uh, like bright and uh, refreshing and crisp yeah. on the other side. And then like in the middle of the mouth, there's this like caramelly mm-hmm. something thing that happened. Like, it's very interesting how, depending on where it hits, like as you sip it, it, you discover new flavors at every point. And it's yeah, just so I, pronounced in this one. 
and I think that this one, it, it the the um, palate experience starts out sweeter. You mm-hmm. get more of those sweet notes that you were getting on the nose up front. Yeah. Um, and then it, to me, it finishes with more of a peppery oak tannins, you know, fresh cut leather um, type yeah. of earthy. Fi- the earthiness comes back more mm. in the finish to me. Yeah. Um, not in an unpleasant way, but there are some oak no. tannins in there for sure. Uh, but it, yeah. you know, you kind of get this roller coaster ride of the sweet notes kind of come first. That marmalade, uh, grape jelly, <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. you know. Those types I, of notes. I kind of let it sit in the mouth and I warmed it up a bit just to kind of experiment, I guess. And uh, <laughs> as I was doing that, I got a lot more of the toasted sort of t- notes from it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and some more of the the the, the oaky, aspen-y yeah. Yeah. <laughs> flavor, and which I really, was really I really good. like how it dries out at the end. Like that yeah. was something yeah. when I was at the speakeasy in Albany, some of the drinks I would make, like they would start with a little pop of sweet, but they would finish bone dry. Sweet? Pop, pop, like sweet, pop like, a sweet, like, yeah. oh, like I thought it was roach. like a pop. A, I was just oh, gonna no. say that. <laughs> oh boy, that's, that's no, like, where like, I was going with that, Justin. <laughs> great minds think alike, but it, you know, it starts like nice and sweet, and then as you sip the drink, like after you swallowed, it ends a little bit dry or very dry, and so then you just want another sip because your palate's like, oh, it's all cleaned out, like I'm dried out. Now I want yeah. that sweetness again, yeah. and this has that same kind of mm. quality to it, um, which is great. Like that's something I really enjoy. There, um, there's like a weird floralness about it too. That's that's pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and almost like a. So as I'm as I'm as I continue to sip, the different flavors are kind of opening up, and I'm almost getting like a passion fruit with it as well. Sort of Ooh. a, just like a, it's not like tangy, but it's like passionate. It's, it's a passionate whiskey. It's a passionate whiskey. <laughs> Blake just took a swig and now he wants to laugh. <laughs> So close. Uh, we made it. <laughs> hey, look, at least it's not the second. passion translation. <laughs> Could have been worse. Oh, man. Could have been worse. Anyways, right, so, so I, I think you guys are talking about something tonight. I know that, um, you know, you guys have all these notes that I wasn't privy to until minutes before we started recording, and I didn't have time to prepare anything. So I, I want to I lay this out, okay? You guys hit us with that you know, high proof cask strength distilled theology tonight. I, this is how I'm thinking of myself this evening, you know, like in hip hop, you've got that hype man who's just back like, Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. What? Right. Like he's the hype man doing this thing. I, I'm super white. Sorry, everybody. Um, I'm going to be that tonight. And you guys, you guys lay it. Justin, why are you laughing? I'm being serious. I, I'm, I'm going to lay it. I'm you praying. guys lay it out. And, and I'm going to spend time with this whiskey because I still got a, a bit more of my glass. And periodically, when I feel there's a lull in the conversation, I'm just going to, you know, shout out tasty notes. You're like, mmm, graham cracker. Mm, delicious. <laughs> and then you guys keep going. I guess so, it's time we, we call up Shylin and get a Distilling Theology song. <laughs> uh, we, this, is, this is happening. This is I'm just saying, happening. I'm not prepared at all for this conversation. So you guys, you guys go. I am See, prepared to shout out Tasty Notes. The thing is, you know, this this presupposes the idea that we're somehow prepared for our episodes. <laughs> Which, if you, so, so if you ever listen to Reformed Brotherhood, Tony and Jesse, every episode, they're like, yeah, like we don't really do any prep. We just kind of jump into it. Which, like. Maybe I don't know. Their episodes are always so interesting, but but I know like you are know, you calling your reformed brothers liars? Are no, you I'm saying just they saying they're, they're so good that uh, oh. it's hard to believe they do it without without preparation. And then there's us, and I'm like, we just kind of you know throw it together. And but but you know, ultimately, what is it? We're 
just a couple guys sitting around sipping whiskey, talking about theology, and hopefully somewhere along the line in, in the midst of our dad jokes and our uh, distillation talk, you guys uh, are edified and, and encouraged and hopefully entertained a little bit, you know, and, uh, you know, we're not, we're not uh, renewing your mind. At Ligonier.org. Anyways. Oh. Um, <laughs> I thought we were trying to renew people's <laughs> you, minds. You though. know, you've, you've listened to a lot of those when like you're, you're listening to uh, an audio book or like a, a lecture series and cause they're only like 23 minute segments that Sproul yeah. would do. So it would be like the following message is a presentation of Ligonier Ministries, home of the radio yeah. program, Renewing yeah. Your Mind with R.C. Sproul. And then it jumps into whatever he does. And then at the end of it, it's like, uh, it says it again. And you're like, yeah. So you just hear it a, a whole bunch in a long, in a long course. But anyways, uh, speaking of that, yeah, not at all. But, uh, <laughs> let's, let's open with some prayer cause we need it clearly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, who, Absolutely. Who wants to pray tonight? What page are we on? 130 in the Valley of Vision. I'll read it. Yeah, Ooh, heart corruptions. Oh, oh yeah. It says the page number right in the notes. See, I'm not, I'm not seasoned enough yet for this. <laughs> We're not seasoned right. either. This one is called Heart Corruption. It seems very appropriate given the topic. Oh God, may thy spirit speak in me that I may speak to thee. I have no merit. Let the merit of Jesus stand for me. I am undeserving, but I look to thy tender mercy. I am full of infirmities, wants, sin. Thou art full of grace. I confess my sin, my frequent sin, my willful sin. All my powers of body and soul are defiled. A fountain of pollution is deep within my nature. There are chambers of foul images within my being. I have gone from one odious room to another, walked in a no-man's land of dangerous imaginations, pried into the secrets of my fallen nature. I am utterly ashamed that I am what I am in myself. I have no green shoot in me, nor fruit, but thorns and thistles. I am a fading leaf that the wind drives away. I live bare and barren as a winter tree, unprofitable, fit to be hewn down and burnt. Lord, dost thou have mercy on me? Thou hast struck a heavy blow at my pride at the false god of self, and I lie in pieces before thee. But thou hast given me another master and Lord, thy son, Jesus. And now my heart is turned towards holiness. My life speeds as an arrow from a bow towards complete obedience to thee. Help me in all my doings to put down sin and to humble pride. Save me from the love of the world and the pride of life, from everything that is natural to fallen man, and let Christ's nature be seen in me day by day. Grant me grace to bear thy will without repining, and delight to be not only chiseled, squared, or fashioned, but separated from the old rock where I have been embedded so long, and lifted from the quarry to the upper air where I, where I may be built in Christ forever. Amen. Ooh. Straight fire. Valley of Vision, 100. Man. Even jellyfish prayers, zero. <laughs> Seriously, though, I mean, compared to, this is what I love about the Valley of Vision, is there is earnest, penitent prayers that recognize mm. our state before a holy God, as opposed to like, oh, God, I'm just so sorry that I messed up this week, and I'll do better next week, and please give me a good job and a good car and help me to have fun with my friends and like you know and I was that guy like in college I had a little bit of that so I'm I'm self-deprecating there more than anything else but it is amazing to me the depth 
and the richness of the prayers here. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, if we haven't, if we, we will eventually do a giveaway with a Valley of Vision, but that's uh, for a future episode. So, mm. uh, you know, anyways, Justin, what's our, uh, what's the title? What's our topic tonight? Well, speaking of bad guys and heart corruptions. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the fall, the fall of man is his his fall from grace as it were oh uh <laughs> and uh who better to introduce us other than the preacher of sinners in the hands of an angry god señor jonathan edwards e dog uh, <laughs> uh who says this if the case be such indeed that all mankind are by nature in a state of total ruin then Doubtless, the great salvation by Christ stands in direct relation to his ruin as the remedy to the disease. Mm. Mm. The disease? Mm. What exactly is the disease? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, it's curious because um, you got to ask, like, you know, <clears throat> people people in our day and age will be like, you know, well, people deep down are just generally good and like, you know, we're all just generally good people who make bad choices. And so the question tonight before us is, is man a bad guy? And uh, I mean, we if we didn't give it away already with the whiskey we tasted and the Valley Vision prayer, um, spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, we, we are, are the, the bad worst. <laughs> it's um, like that that quote from Wreck-It Ralph, uh, that meme. <laughs> this is like a, a certain soteriological position when they talk about man's nature. They're like, or you are a bad guy, but this doesn't mean you are a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a bad guy. But this does not mean you're bad guy. So we're going to open it up <laughs> with the confessions as we usually do. Oh. Um, since I took over many of the notes this week, uh, as opposed to Blake uh, often does, uh, we have more of the uh, biblical confession, uh, mm. the 1689. Um, <laughs> hey, listen, any chance that I get to uh, poke you and make you giggle? <laughs> <laughs> That's called tickling. <laughs> when you poke someone to make them giggle. Yep. I'm, I'm tickling Blake's uh, <laughs> fancy over here. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to open it up uh, with what the what the confessions say uh, regarding the fall of man. Uh, because it's a, it, I think it's an important uh, point to understand what we mean <laughs> when sure. we talk about the fall of man. Uh, this is obviously following up from our uh, Image of God episode, which uh, talks specifically about um, the way that man was made and in the in in the image of whom we were made. Um, so following up with that, uh, it goes like this. This is the 1689 uh, 6.1. Uh, although God created man upright and perfect, speaking of Adam, uh, and gave him a righteous law, which had yet to be unto life had he kept it, and threatened death upon breach thereof. Yet he did not long abide in this honor, Satan using the subtlety of the serpent to subdue Eve, and then by her seducing Adam, who, without any compulsion, did willfully transgress the law of their creation. And the command given unto them in eating the forbidden fruit, which God was pleased, according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit, having purposed to order it to his own glory." Um, a couple of things that I want to point out that I think are very important, uh, and especially in our modern day and age, uh, is this this uh, last part that says specifically that God was pleased in order, 
according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit this to happen. It's not as though he was taken by surprise. It's not as though uh, it was unplanned, so to speak. Um, God allowed it to happen as his decorative will would have uh, included from the beginning. He decreed that this come to pass for his purposes. Decorative uh, will? <laughs> Sorry. Well, decorative. Let that slide. Decor- you mean decretive? <laughs> no, it's decorative. Oh, it's like, it's like pretty. It's not a doily. direct, not decorative. His, do- his doily will. <laughs> decorative. Uh, I mean, he does. Sorry, out continue. The like... <laughs> not decorative. Decorative. Uh, specifically, the last sentence. Uh, he yeah. purposed mm-hmm. to order mm-hmm. it to his own glory. Um, and then, of course, it references uh, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, and 2 Corinthians 11 uh, as a follow-up for that. Yeah, I think that's important because um, we know that God's not the author of sin. I know you guys have discussed that in past podcasts, mm-hmm. um, but we have to recognize that everything that comes to pass in redemptive history, including the fall of Adam, was purposed to be such for the glory of God. Um, and I think we'll get into it later. So I'm just you know saying mm-hmm. this to kind of remind myself that Later, we could talk about how this is also a good thing for man. Um, that that not yeah, we'll get to, we'll get into it later. <laughs> well, actually, while we're here, yeah, I was going to say, do we want to take a look at Genesis three real fast? Since that's yeah, yeah, let's the, do that. Let's the, do that. Man, text. that was a really good tasting note you gave us. That was awesome. <laughs> mm, I'm going to jump in Genesis okay, Genesis three delicious in, uh, in the English Standard Version of the uh, anyways. Yeah. Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Um, and then as we get into this, there's the curses that God declares on the serpent, on the woman, on the man, on the ground. Um, but this is the cosmic event that changes, uh, you know, the course of human history. Blake. <laughs> Stop it, Justin. Justin's, Justin, Justin's texting me memes or gifts. Anyway. Um, of God's deco- decorative will. Decorative will, yeah. So, Blake, how, though... Did this change the course of history for all mankind? I mean, it was just Adam and Eve that sinned, sure. right? Like, well, that gets why, to yeah. yeah. <laughs> that actually gets to uh, discussion some of what you guys were talking about, and obviously we have different understandings of some of the nitty gritty of this. But we we both sixteen eighty nine Federalists and uh, Westminster Confession Presbyterians and the Dutch Reformed, we all speak of Adam in terms of federal headship, Amen. in terms we of do. being the head of all of humanity. And so the way I heard this explained once, you know, Sproul was like, well, wait, so I'm, I'm damned for Adam's sin. Like, that's not fair. No damnation without representation. Like, 
I didn't vote for him. I didn't get it. And he's like, it's this impulse that we don't feel like we're being properly represented because we didn't get to choose our representative. And he's like, but here's the thing. God is holy. He's just. He's righteous. He's omniscient. Mm-hmm. So he has perfect knowledge of all things. And so he knows you perfectly yeah. even before you were. And so in choosing Adam to be your representative, he chose a perfect representative who would but, represent but, you perfectly. But Blake, no, no, man. I See, if I were in Adam's shoes, if I were given that chance, I wouldn't have sinned. Are you sure about that? Oh, wait, that's pride. Oh, wait. Oh, oh dang it. I just... <laughs> no, it's for sure. Well, and I thought about oh, I just that. Sinned. And, and that's what pride. I would always say to people is, you know, like you don't, you don't believe in the fall of man. You don't believe that people are have this moral corruption as a result of Adam. Put a couple of toddlers in a room with one toy or with multiple toys, but they all want the one toy and just... Don't do anything. Yeah, there's one thing about becoming a parent that uh, teaches you that total depravity is most definitely inherent uh, in the human uh, creation. Uh, Mm -hmm. It didn't take long. My kid was, okay, so my son was, gosh, he was maybe one and a half at the time. And he's he's just learned to walk and he's walking kind of from thing to thing. And he picks up, and we're at my parents' house, and my dad's sitting in one chair, my mom's sitting in another chair, I'm sitting on the floor. And he picks up my mom's phone and he holds it up and he's not supposed to do that. So my dad looks at me and goes, hey, you're not supposed to do that. And so he takes it and he throws it in my dad's lap and he points to my mom and said, no, and said that she, she was pointing to her like she did it. And I'm like, he's, he's, he can't even talk yet. And he's already blaming somebody else. Like, and and, and that is what Adam does, oh. right? As we, I mean, we could read the rest of that record if we wanted to. Um, they heard the sound of the Lord God. This is verse eight, uh, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman who you gave to me to be with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And then God does this curse on the serpent, the curse on the woman about pain and childbearing. Um, and then to Adam, uh, curse, curses the ground. Um, like Been feeling that this week, man. Toiling. Yeah. The toiling involved with work. I don't mind work, man, but the toiling. Oof. Mm-hmm. And then God Still kicks him out of the that. garden after this. And, mm-hmm. and you know, they're they're deprived of the means of of eternal life right mm-hmm. um and and ultimately though what is the real breach there is that they have lost their communion with god mm-hmm. and god doesn't leave them without you know hope but because there's a promise no, because, of a redeemer oh sorry you were just going there sorry, sorry. but the, when he curses the snake the cursing to the snake is actually a promised blessing mm. to adam and eve and mankind in the curse of the snake like, <laughs> so oh, good so good Eric, you want to pick up on uh, Wesley? Like, what covenant uh, yeah. were they under? <laughs> the covenant of works. The covenant of works, Anyways, uh, 1689, yeah. London Baptist Confession. Uh, yeah. Eric, you want to take that 6.2. Yeah. Our first parents, by this sin, fell from their original righteousness and communion with God, and we in them, whereby death came upon all, all becoming dead in sin, and wholly defiled in all the faculties and parts of soul and body. And... I think we need to get into Romans five there, but before we do that, you said something earlier, Blake, about, um, people thinking it's kind of unfair that Adam represented us. 
you yeah. know, and I was, I was flipping about, oh yeah, we could do better. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a helpful um, paradigm for how we can look at man and how we experience sin um, and just the nature of man. And I don't know if you guys have heard of the fourfold states of man. I'm sure you guys have, but anybody listening. Um, so there's these four uh, states that we exist in as humans that we experience through redemptive history, right? And the first is the state that Adam and Eve were created in. It's often called the created state, uh, also known as the state of innocence, right? They uh, were created without sin. They had not sinned, right? They were they were innocent, um, but they were mutable. They were changeable. They were given this covenant of works, not to go too far down that path, but they were given um, the opportunity to to obey or to disobey. Um, and there would be different results based on their decision. Um, when they when they committed that sin, they weren't tainted as Second London Baptist Confession 6.2 said that, that we are wholly defiled in all the faculties and parts of soul and body. They didn't have that. We cannot understand um, their, the state of their soul um, when they lived in the garden prior to eating that apple. Hmm. And so when we think, oh, it's not fair, I would do so much better. We could not have had a better representative. We do get a even, even better representative than Christ or in Christ. I mean, but we'll get to that. I'm sure. But at the time we could not have had a better representative. And I exactly. think it's important for us to understand that. Um, and I, you know, there's, there's applications to the other four States, but that's the first one that Adam was created in. We now, after the fact, and this will, I think lead us into Romans five. Um, we now exist in the fallen state with Adam as our representative. We now uh, are in what's called the fallen state or the state of sin, where we can't do good apart from Christ. Whereas Adam could do good or bad, um, we can now only do bad uh, without the help of Christ, without the help of the Holy Spirit. So I just think it's a helpful paradigm to look at it and help us to understand really the justice of God giving us a perfect representative in Adam and honestly, the grace in giving us Christ. Yeah. It's so good, man. So Romans five, I don't have it pulled up. Romans five. I think we should start probably verse 12. Yeah. Uh, It says, wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. So there's, I think there's two folds just in that. Number one, we inherit our sin from Adam, from our, our fallen nature. But we all sin. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we inherit sin, but we also all sin. Um, uh, verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Right. So uh, I believe it was John MacArthur I heard say this about the law once, which I thought was great. Uh, the law was given to us uh, to crush us. <laughs> and, and very much so that 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 is true uh, because obviously we can't keep the law. Um, hence our need for Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Um, uh, Who is to come, Blake? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked that because uh, it says in verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have, has, have the grace of God 
and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Mm, oh, amen. Man. What was that about we, a blessing in the garden? What? Mm, mm. We, we cannot be upset. Mm. Uh, we cannot cry foul or cry injustice at God attributing Adam's sin to us. And then, uh, on the other hand, just freely accept God attributing Christ's grace to us, mm. right? Um, one comes with the other. Uh, the, if, if one man can represent us in sin, God made it such that one man can represent us in perfect righteousness and obedience in the person of Jesus Christ. I was actually going to, I was trying to find the quote from Herman Bavink about that in The Wonderful Works of God, because... But you basically said exactly Bobby. what he says, that, that, um, <laughs> that if we reject the headship of Adam, we don't have any philosophical, logical, moral grounds to accept the headship of Christ. If we deny the, the principle of representation, like mm-hmm. representative uh, in any context, right? If we deny that Adam represented us, well then, what grounds do we have for hope in the representation of Christ on our behalf? Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, and it's so beautiful, and yet so often I think we miss that because Amen. in our nature, we hate God, we hate the things of God, we hate the justice of God, and our inclination naturally is to rebel against him and to say, like what you said, like to cry foul that like this isn't fair, God, that yeah, you amen. judge me for Adam. <laughs> if, if we had to represent ourselves, if God created all of us in this created yeah. state, or the state of innocence that Adam mm-hmm. found himself in the garden— I don't know why we think we would do any better than Adam would have. Um, But if we each represented our own selves, um, then we would be required to represent our own selves for obedience too. But at that point it would be hopeless. Um, Yeah. yeah. Well, I think too, I (laughs) I mean, go ahead. Oh, I was just, I mean, Adam, Adam sinned. Mm -hmm. uh, And if he, if he only, if the um, idea of federal headship didn't exist, and Adam, and Christ couldn't also be Adam's federal head. If he had to be his own representative, then Adam would have been required to earn righteousness again. And we all know, as you pointed out a moment ago, Justin, we can't earn righteousness through the law. The law teaches us what righteousness is and looks mm-hmm. like and points us to Christ. But we can't earn it through that means. We can only earn it through federal headship. Um, I think that raises a good question, too, especially from any listeners who might be secular, well, then why is it sometimes that uh, those who are uh, not Christians uh, perform seemingly better works than uh, those who are often in the church, uh, especially, uh, I think, in our, our very Western, very global society, we see a lot of, uh, we see a lot of the sin nature in, in both the regenerate and the unregenerate, um, which is interesting, but actually Calvin acknowledged uh, this. Uh, he said that though men fall in uh, they'll fall and perform works uh, of seeming righteousness, and he called these works acts of civic righteousness, such virtues which Augustine called splendid vices, uh, mm-hmm. may conform outwardly to the law of God, but they do not proceed from a heart inclining to please God or from a heart that loves God. So in biblical categories, 
of good or virtuous work must not only conform outwardly to the prescriptions of the law, which we talked about, uh, but also proceed from an inward disposition of or motive rooted in love of God. Um, what did Paul say, right? Uh, even my best works are filthy rags. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so realistically speaking, um, in this, this may seem, uh, this may be difficult to hear for, for, for those who, who are outside of uh, Christ. Um, it doesn't matter what good works you do. Uh, they're ultimately meaningless. <laughs> well, and this is something <laughs> Unless they're in Christ. Yeah. Like the, the Ray comfort, kind of evangelism method works really well because he's like, okay, like, so you think you're a pretty good person. You think you you know where you're going to go when you die. Like you think you're going, you know, whether they're Christian or not, they'd say like to the good place, the bad place, right? So they say, I'm going to the good place when I die. Yeah, I'm a pretty good person. And he brings up, yeah, well, and he brings up the law of God and he's like, you know, well, do you know that God's law says that like it's a sin to lie? And have you ever told a lie? Well, yeah, I mean, I lie. okay, so you're a liar, adulterer, like, and he does the thing uh, that Ray <laughs> Comfort does. does. The thing that he, Ray does the thing. He does the thing, the, the Ray Comfort thing. And uh, and when he, but, but what's beautiful about that is his point in the courtroom analogy is like, if you're on trial for murder, you can stand there all day and say, but judge, look at all the good stuff I did. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter because it's unrelated to the crime that you're being punished for. Sure. And Amen. all those good deeds don't undo the wrong Mm-hmm. That justice needs to be done upon you. Well, Ooh, speaking too of this spicy doctrine, custard, <laughs> delicious. <laughs> speaking of this doctrine of original sin, right? Oh. This idea that we inherit that sin from 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 Adam and, and those yeah. who might say it's unfair. Uh, well, Edward spoke of this also, and he mm-hmm. said that he sees evidence for man's depraved nature and the propensity of humans to sin immediately as soon as they are morally capable of actually committing sin. Um, he sees further evidence in the fact that man sins continuously and progressively mm-hmm. and that the tendency remains even in the most sanctified men, right? Uh, men love sin. We hate God by nature uh, and we love to do sinful things. Um, mm-hmm. Psalm says that the wicked is an inventor of evil things. Um, so Edwards, uh, again, he also finds significant what he calls the extreme degree of folly and stupidity of matters uh, of religion and so on. So, um, sure. I mean, there, there's so much evidence that we are sinful by nature. Um, you know, even going back to what I was talking about with my son, you know, it's, it's very obvious when we're born that we want to do rebellious things. Uh, and then as we get older and quote unquote wiser, we really become more foolish apart from Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me read uh, the Westminster Confession, chapter six, Ooh. article three. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sabotaged. <laughs> Uh, you played that's yourself. not a, that's not in the notes man my goals are beyond your understanding <laughs> yeah Blake, come on they being the root of all mankind uh the guilt of this sin was imputed and the same death and sin and corrupted nature conveyed to all their posterity descending from them by ordinary generation so in other words there's nothing like super weird or mm. or super spiritual about it like it's just the natural thing of like children being born in that process the sin mm-hmm. nature comes along um, it's not like it comes along when you become a teenager, although I think some parents of teenagers probably feel that way. <laughs> um, but again, like it, it, it's out of the womb. We're born mm-hmm. dead in sin and dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians two says, yes, it does. Yeah. And, uh, there's a phrase there in that passage in the Westminster and in the second London Baptist confession, um, that might give us a clue as to, so why is it if, if mankind, if, if, even in the womb, as Adam says that you, you know, I was conceived in sin um, or not. Did I say Adam? David, David. David. Yeah. Um, that's what I meant to say. Uh, 
why is it that Christ didn't have a sin nature? Ooh, excellent question. Insert discussion so, on the hypostatic union. <laughs> well, there's a phrase in there. So um, to all their posts. All right, here, I'll start from the beginning. They be in the root and by God's appointment standing in the room instead of all mankind. The guilt of the sin was imputed and corrupted <laughs> nature conveyed to all their posterity descending from them by ordinary generation. And who in the history of mankind has not been generated ordinarily, so to speak, who has Christ, right? Conceived (laughs) (laughs) conceived by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. And so Christ did not have the seed of his father passing on down this original sin. Um, I think that there's great significance in our theology to to think about why is it that that God would um, have brought about the Son of Man through a virgin, right? Uh, it's, not, it, it's not. It's not just a miracle. It's an awesome miracle. Precisely. But there's actual theological implications that have to do with if Christ is to be our federal head, if He's to be our representative, He cannot be tainted by Adam's sin, which is carried on down, as the confession points out, by ordinary generation. Right. And so, yeah. And that's also, I think, a, a, an interesting and a good separation point from all the copycat religions that uh, might try to. Uh, have this idea of a virgin uh, giving birth to a, a god of some kind. Um, there's so much more significance behind the fact that <laughs> Jesus was born of a virgin. And it's not, like you said, it's not just some fancy like, aha, now he's really special because he was born what of a, a virgin. What a cool miracle. What a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's so much more to that. And we'll get to that in Christology. Uh, but dun, then dun, dun, dun. in Article 4, it says, <laughs> From this original corruption, whereby we are utterly indisposed, disabled, and made opposite to all good, and wholly inclined to evil, do precede all actual transgressions. And so both Westminster and, and London Baptists obviously are in s- strong agreement throughout this section. But um, the point here is, like, this original corruption pushes us totally. We, we want to do wrong. We're, we're opposite to the good. And we're wholly inclined to evil. Right, the heart is fully wicked. Who can comprehend it? And out of that state come these actual transgressions, these actual sins against God mm-hmm. and against other people. Right, we talk about the first, the second table of the law. Right, the first four commandments uh, in our vertical relationship to God, and the last six in our horizontal relationship to man. Right, love God and love your neighbor. Jesus sums up all the commandments in that, and all the transgressions that we transgress against God and against neighbor come as a they flow from our corruption. Right, it, it's inside of us. It's not as though we do these things and they make us corrupt by doing them, which is kind of a religious right. view. We're I not, think a lot of people we're, take. We're, we sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. Mm-hmm. Ooh, got him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Pew pew. <laughs> got him. <laughs> what, what's the last uh, section there? The uh, six five. Well. It goes on to say the corruption of nature during this life doth remain in those that are regenerate. This is important, Todd White. Mm-hmm. And also, and although it be through Christ's pardon and mortified, yet both itself and the first motions thereof are truly and properly sin. So there's a, uh, an important thing to recognize here in that uh, e- even us uh, Christians um, who are saved by grace, uh, we still sin. The propensity is still there. And even mm-hmm. though... Uh, uh, that Christ has pardoned it and that we can uh, now through Christ mortify our sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the propensity is still there and it is still sin. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't become not sin simply right. because we're saved by grace uh, through Christ. And and I think this is another area, at least for me, to use this paradigm of the fourfold state of man, right? So we talked about the first state of man, which we've never experienced, but Adam and Eve did, the created state where they're immutable, but they are able to do good and also able to do evil. Mm. Then there's the fallen state, which we find ourselves in. This is what we're born into after the, the fall, where we are not able to do good and we are only able to do evil. And then what this is talking about here, um, that uh, the corruption of nature during this life doth remain in those that are regenerated. We are now in the third state, the gracious mm-hmm. state or the state of grace, where we are now able to do good, yet also still able to do evil, Right. Um, And we're now God is bringing us towards that final eternal state where as believers, we'll find ourselves in that eternal state to now be immutable and only able to do good Mm, and and unable to do evil. Right. Mm. So but in this life, we find ourselves as believers in that third state, which is such a great it's called the gracious Mm. state. At least that's what theologians call it. And it is it's gracious. It's a great place to be in because we are now by the help of the spirit. Uh, by the work of the spirit in our hearts, able to do good, though we still find ourselves battling the flesh uh, while we wait for that eternal state where we will become immutable by the work of the spirit, unable to do evil, un- unchanging in our goodness and glorification of God. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that is sanctification, essentially, somehow, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, work out your uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm hmm. Yeah. That's really good stuff. And it was made me think of, I, I was pulling up a quote from Herman Bavink in The Wonderful Works of God from pages uh, 211 to 212. And he says there, if anyone could see man as he is internally and externally, he would discover traits in him which resemble Satan more than they do mm-hmm. God. Spiritual sickness and death took the place of spiritual health. But the first, no more than the second, is a constituent element of his being. When the scripture insists on the moral nature of sin, it thereby maintains also the redeemability of man. Sin does not belong to the essence of the world, but it is something rather which was introduced into the world by man. And this is the, the, uh, the beautiful thing to that fourfold state you were talking about, Eric. And that is why it can again be removed from the world by the power of divine grace, which is stronger than every creature. So in other words, Sin, even though it is part of our nature and we are fallen and we are totally corrupted by it, it isn't ontologically or in terms of man's essential nature what it means to be human. We're human beings who have been corrupted by sin and we are all corrupted by sin and we are wholly corrupted by sin. Mm -hmm. But it can be removed like a cancer and it will be by divine grace and we will be no less human in that state where we are only inclined to the good and we no longer even have the ability to sin. Well, if anything, yeah. we'll be more human, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, was was Adam human before he sinned? Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, and right. we'll be human. And that's the point was Christ, drawing was out Christ less human? Because sure. <laughs> and that's like a strike against Gnosticism, we're, right? That idea that that like we're you know we're trying to get away from the material and get into the the, the spiritual. Like the material's evil, we want to be in the spiritual. And right, God made everything good. Everything was mm. good. He right. made man yeah. in a perfect, upright and, state. 
And we're described as being slaves to sin in scripture, right? Precisely. Being a slave to something does not change your nature. It doesn't make you less of something else. You, as, as humans, we can be slaves to something, yet still be humans. We're right. just enslaved right. humans. Well, right. And so that's we where say. we find ourselves after the fall. Mm-hmm. We find ourselves in the fallen state enslaved to sin, though still human. Mm-hmm. The sin itself is not integral to our nature as humans. Well, just like now we find ourselves more slaves to Christ and righteousness yeah. and being transformed yeah. in that. And we're still human that, that, that the state we find ourselves in, whoever our master is, whether it be Satan, whether it be our flesh or whether it be God, uh, doesn't change who we are. So, and I, and I think it's important to note also, we're not going to become not human when we die right. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and we're with Christ and, uh, you know, there's going to be a bodily resurrection, a, a mm. human resurrection we're going to still be human beings uh we'll just be glorified and sinless human mm. beings we'll no longer be corrupted with that sinful nature yeah. and we'll but we're still going to be humans with yeah. human characteristics you know well and i feel like to borrow from oh. tom right here or nt right but i do like the way he describes this of and he's just someone who i've heard it i'm sure he got it from somebody else but this idea that the kingdom of God to come, like the, in its full consummation, is everything wrong with the world made right, right? All these wrongs, all these ills, everything that is separating us from God is taken away and all the wrongs are made right. And so to that mm-hmm. point, we're more human. We're more fully who we are meant to be, right? Uh, I think it was last week, Justin, I think you were talking about like Christ is what it is to be fully human. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's our hope, right? We're being conformed into his image. And that's what Bavink was talking about, you know, in last week, like, in the broad sense of the image of God, we're all still human beings. We're all still mm-hmm. made in his image. We also have dignity. But in the narrow sense, those that have been saved and are being saved and that will be saved are conformed into the, the image of God in the narrow sense and transformed. Um, and it's just a beautiful hope. I, 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 even though this episode's on the fall, I feel like you guys are talking about eschatology here. Oh. And what's amazing, <laughs> no, I'm serious. What's amazing yeah. is the two are so intimately intertwined. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. we said earlier in the episode um, that the fall is something that God, by his decorative, decretive will, ordained um, for his glory. Mm. And what's interesting and I, I think I learned this originally from Richard Barcells, but this is another helpful paradigm for me, is that man in the garden, Adam and Eve, actually had an eschatology before they had a soteriology. So they were created again in that first state where they were mutable. They could sin, but they could also be obedient. And God gave them uh, a task, essentially. Uh, they gave, he gave them uh, a command. And you had the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you had the tree of life. And we don't know exactly uh, how long, but for lack of a better word right now, off the top of my head, uh, they were in a probationary period. Most reformed people who believe in the covenant of works would um, say that Adam and Eve were in this probationary period where they found themselves mutable and God was seeking obedience from them, at which point upon eating from the tree of life, they would have eternal life and find themselves immutable and only able to do good and unable to do unable to sin as we will find ourselves in the future. So they were placed in the garden, but that wasn't the end result. There was there was a forward looking for them an eschatology um, that they were to look towards, and in their fall, 
then came about their soteriology, that evangelium, the proto-evangelium, right? That curse against the snake, where now they had need for a redeemer. Now mm. they had, they didn't before. They theoretically could have been obedient and not eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but instead they fell. They did not achieve the eschatology, the end that God had set before them uh, to be immutable uh, worshipers of God in his temple on earth forever. They didn't achieve it. And in their not achieving it, in God's sovereign good decree, they now had need for a redeemer and God stepped in. And that's where Christ comes Mm. in. And so God is glorified Mm. even in the fall because now he has ways to show his grace and his goodness and his long suffering with great sinners. Oh, so good. Preach. Graham cracker. Delicious. Oh, I love the graham cracker. <laughs> in this whiskey. It's like that John Newton quote. Uh, I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. Yeah. Amen. Um, yeah. Spurgeon like makes is, a very similar quote. Yeah. Well, and Justin, that actually, so as we're kind of coming towards the end here, obviously with the fall of man, this ties into a doctrine that unfortunately, for some reason, is falling out of favor in mainline evangelical Christianity. People don't like to talk about this, but I think we need to. And like everything we've been talking about fits into this. So you want to give us a little bit of uh, paradigm or, or information about original sin. Yeah, so it's a crucial doctrine, right? It's it's crucial in the history and the substance of all Christian theology. Um, and so Michael Horton defines it and defends this doctrine this way. Uh, he says, original sin is the term that Western the Western church has employed to refer to our collective human guilt and corruption. No doctrine is more crucial to our anthropology and soteriology, uh, which we just talked uh, about, uh, Eric was just uh, telling us about. Uh, and yet no doctrine has been more relentlessly criticized ever since it was articulated. Um, and, and isn't that true? That was the that was essentially the very first thing that uh, Satan in the garden, hath God said, you know, and, the, and then since then... Uh, since we since we've sinned, since we've fallen and entered that, uh, if we can eliminate original sin, right, we can make man sovereign, and isn't that what all mankind by nature has always wanted, right? Um, so Horton explains that Protestant liberalism, Pelagianism, and uh, to some extent uh, Barth and, and Bruner deny or muddle up the doctrine of original sin, and he continues and says repeated attempts to dismiss the doctrine of original sin uh, as a peculiarity of Calvin or Luther, Augustine or Paul failed to take seriously the fact that the same assumptions are articulated in the Psalms, uh, the prophets and the gospels and uh, the Catholic epistles, uh, not papist epistles. There's a difference in the term. It's the terminology there. Catholic, the universal church. <laughs> yep. Uh, and the doctrine, uh, the doctrine of original sin may be seen to arise as a result of two principal sources. The covenant itself as the biblical paradigm for relating divine human relations uh, and the narrative of the fall from an original state of integrity, which uh, the, the confessions talked about. Um, So really (laughs) original sin is absolutely imperative when we understand um, that man fell from a state, right? uh, Of something we, we, we were created upright and we fell from that state. Uh, And then um, yeah, uh, the speaking of the covenant, Right, uh, we can only have a covenant of grace if yeah. grace is needed. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so that's yeah. good stuff, man. Yeah, this is it, it's such a. On the one hand, it's such a heavy topic, but I, it, Eric, you've reminded me so importantly how systematic theology is all interconnected. 
And so our view of anthropology of, of man's nature and being and fall is intimately tied, obviously, to our soteriology and salvation theology, and obviously intimately tied to our eschatology and our hope. And it's like you can't speak about one without talking about the other unless you're like really trying to dice it, um, which obviously isn't quite our goal on this podcast. We want to have the conversation. And I think, um, I, you know, I, I wouldn't call this the definitive episode on original sin, but I mean, there was some, there was some, there was some good sauce on this episode, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> It is not weak sauce. Saucy. Okay. Was it spicy sauce? Oh, I was going to yes, ask if it was weak sauce or not. We had, we Frank, some, Frank's red hot sauce? Yeah, mm. that's about as spicy as I go. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that was, that's just good things that um, I think we would all do well to reflect on original sin more. And obviously, we're going to come back to this topic when we get into soteriology. So don't worry. There will be more talking about the fall of but man wait, and the there's more. original corruption. <laughs> Shamwow. Which, you know, you know what else is kind of like that? When we this talk about our soil. Patreon. Uh, I was going to say the loamy soil notes that I'm getting out of this whiskey are delicious. Sorry. That too, that's also but, cool. Uh, pa- patrons are cool too. That's right. Uh, <laughs> if you guys want to join us starting at $4.99 per month, you get uh, access to early release episodes because we live stream them, stream them when we record. You get exclusive People are listening content. right now. That's true. It's happening, man. You get extended conversations. So like, we're going to keep talking after this episode ends and it's only available on patreon.com. And it's less theology. formal. Believe it or not, we can be less formal. <laughs> I don't know if you want to tell them that, Justin. Uh, people also get a discount on the We say things we regret during story. the patron part. If you guys want to hear what... <laughs> sign up now. Oh, <laughs> man, we're really selling it. Also, we just introduced a new $14.99 per month level. And what happens, Justin, when people join us over there? Well, after three months of support, they get a special DT patrons only mug from us to them as our gift because we love our patrons Mm. Uh, and they're also going to get additional uh, extra content on top of uh, the content that uh, our normal patrons get um, including some really cool future video things that we have planned that earlier we talked about uh, frolicking through the apple orchard and uh, (laughs) (laughs) perhaps that's something that can be seen (laughs) in the future (laughs) didn't we I thought we discussed I thought that was in the episode yeah. yeah, we talked about no. that in the episode as something we'll do in the future, but that video. Oh, oh, the yeah, video. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wait, actually <laughs> frolicking. I thought you <laughs> Oh no, we 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 commit to this. Most of our most of our like bad ideas and our good ideas are spontaneous ones. Um yeah, like uh if you can guess this podcast what... was a spontaneous idea. And if, <laughs> if, if, if 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 you want to hear totally a bad true. idea, so guys, um here's a bad idea right on the fly. I think to to market the patron part, and this isn't this isn't like false advertising but i'm being serious advertise it this way if you guys want to hear the things that we'll repent of saying later sign up for a patron because we'll you know this whole time we're sipping on whiskey it's getting late you know we're getting tired and yeah at at this point you guys might be happy that there's you know as many patrons as there are (laughs) it's amazing that's beautiful uh, anyway, there's a bad idea for you. That's, a, that's a wonderful bad idea. And uh, but but last week I had another bad idea, and I was like, "Hey, uh, we will send you a we will send a mug to the first person who can guess what doctrinal discussion we're planning to coordinate with an upcoming event before the end of the year." So go to our Facebook page. I pinned it to the top. It's got a question mark. Leave your guesses below, and uh, we'll announce the winner uh, when when the truth is revealed, as it were. It, 
it's and true it's in 2020 so it, <laughs> i was gonna say it's 2020 so it probably has something to do with eschatology and christ oh, returning oh, right we'll see uh, <laughs> so uh to do that to 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 give a guess you need to hit us up on facebook uh, so join our facebook page uh or like our facebook page join our facebook group yes uh, we have an awesome group over 500 members now uh in growing it is full of sprightly conversation memes of my face <laughs> and all kinds of exciting things on there uh join us in the group um you can also hit us up on instagram we are approaching a thousand followers That's which is right. awesome uh, there are some seriously dope pictures on there. Um, in fact, it's one of my favorite Instagram pages. Ooh, I mean, I'm biased. <laughs> and not just yeah. because it's ours. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, check us out there. Then well, I'm if you like seeing pictures of uh, just good theology books and the scriptures mm-hmm. and interesting spirits and cocktails. Yeah, we're, we're not going to uh, post pictures know. of books we wouldn't recommend. So if you want book recommendations, go to our Instagram page, see what we've posted, and then help yourself on Amazon uh, buy yourself some books. Or you can support heritagebooks.orgs. Mm. .org, .org. Uh, Banner of Truth, <laughs> Crossway, Reformed Theological Seminary Press, all yeah, kinds you know, of great places. We're, we're getting there, and we are not <laughs> sponsored yet, but if you guys are interested, if any of you happen to listen to this show, uh, you can contact <laughs> us at distillingtheology at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, distillingtheology.com. Uh, you can get the podcast there or on your favorite podcasting app, uh, yeah. and you can join Patreon from there. You can go to our store from there. You can go to our this social media from there. Whiskey is so soft and oily. Mm. <laughs> Some allspice, fresh oh, leather. Yeah, I'm gonna do it in my best Blake voice. <laughs> <laughs> Next week we're gonna be talking about God working through covenants, and we're gonna be sipping Ooh. on. Uh, well, I, I don't even know how to pronounce this. You're gonna have to do it, Blake. <laughs> Congratulations. You played yourself. Del Magui Vida Mezgal. I think it's Del Magui. Del Magui Vida Mezcal. This was voted on by our patrons. So again, another reminder, join us on Patreon if you want to have a say in the things that we're tasting on here. Uh, We're very excited about that. And uh, it's Hummus Abrakal. Ding! All right. Well, so whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. And they all said, Soli, Soli Deo, Deo Gloria. Gloria. <laughs> Touchdown. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Distilling Theology. Here is a sneak peek of the extended conversation that is available exclusively at patreon.com slash distilling theology. But you know what they say, if you don't read the Dutch, you ain't much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta read, gotta read Bavink and, and Voss and Abrakel. And, uh, yeah. Dang it, I can't come up with a Baptist or I'm fast enough. I know, I was just, I would do the same <laughs> thing oh, in my head. Like, <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was doing the same thing. Shoot. Yeah. My shucks. I mean, the Presbyterians can't do it either, but nothing rhymes with Presbyterian, so. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you don't read the credos, you ain't. Come on, Justin, finish it for me. <laughs> <laughs>